MIP TV is over for another year. The TBI team is back at TBI Towers with all the gossip from the Quasette, including details of Cannes series, the festival that will be keeping you on the French Riviera even longer next year. Plus, we have all the news, including DRG and ex-Sony chief Howard Stringer building an atrium with the high-end drama in mind. This is the TBI podcast. So the sound quality will be better this week. We're back in the studio with our producer, Brad. Hello, Brad. Um, And we're all set to talk about MIP. So, Jesse, there was lots of stuff going on out there. Uh, We could talk about... Roy Price, looking very rock and roll. Yeah, we've Talk- got a jacket in the office, uh, which looks a little bit like what the uh, the uh, leather jacket that Roy was rocking in town. Um, it was it made a statement to a few people, I think. We've got AOL's digital uh, soothsayer, digital profit, 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 yeah, Mr. Mr. Shingi. Yeah, he. Um, he gave a keynote, I think, at, on the Tuesday of uh, MIP TV, and I'd, I'd prefer to say there were like a lot of. There's a lot of bafflement that came out of that. I, I don't think there's another word to describe it. He's quite something. If you don't know who he is, uh, he's worth googling. He's uh, he's quite an unusual looking chap, and and he's quite bizarre. And he's the guy who's supposed to turn AOL around from profit PH to profit F. I think uh, was on the Adweek front cover. I think I was going to almost, almost certainly that's one of his mantras. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see Roy Price actually because obviously as head of Amazon Studios, as the guy that's uh, you know leading the charge over there, he's effectively greenlit a ton of shows, and you know we've interviewed him in the past, and he kind of came over as you know studio style exec. I think he's ex Disney. And yet, the guy we saw on stage come as a very LA cool has obviously been hanging out with the stars. Yeah, I think so. Um, he seemed like he was enjoying himself. Uh, he had the LA tan. Uh, yeah, the jacket was 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 something. And um, yeah, you get you get the impression he's a man who is enjoying his role, as you probably would, being one of the you know most powerful commissioners out there at the moment. On the unscripted side, uh, both Stuart and I were running panels at the market. You went first, Jesse. You I were did. you were at the MIP dot. You had-, had Kim Schilling Law. Uh, we had uh, execs from Movie Star and Terra Noah, um, and we're talking about. Uh, the the small palette uh, of everything from VR to live uh, to uh, mixed genre. So you had Kim Schillinglaw talking about a show called Ambulance, which is a BBC One show. It's getting formatted in CBS. That was news that came out last week. Uh, it's a new new style of fixed rig. Uh, there's a show called The Bridge at Movistar and uh, Maria... Jose Rodriguez, uh, who was from Movistar, was talking about how they've basically tried to use drama tropes to create a uh, a piece of sort of reality competition television. It looks visually very stunning. And, and I think on, if they're not on people's agendas or people that aren't familiar with what these guys are doing at the moment, I think by this time next year they will be because they're a pay TV operator, an SVOD operator, and they're sinking a huge amount of money into content. Yeah, they've got uh, 20 shows in development uh, at the moment. And, uh, you know, I asked them flat out on stage how many of those are likely to go to air. And basically the plan is to get every single one of those on on air. They don't want to waste any development money. Um, They've got a new channel called Ethero, which is uh, going to be running a lot of this stuff. They also have the Movistar Plus SVOD platform. So you you can see in a market which is basically dominated by very strong free to airs, there's now this pay TV player who's you know used to be Canal Plus uh, is now under a new guise and is clearly making moves that other people aren't in that market. So they're they're ones to watch. So they they're carving out space as premium drama and also high level unscripted. Yeah, ab- absolutely. 
And you, so your session uh, was from a more established player in the TV world. It was with NBC. Tell us, tell us about that. Yep. So I had Paul Telegdi and uh, Meredith. Uh, so Paul runs. Ah. <laughs> you're quite. Uh, Paul <laughs> runs unscripted uh, over there, and they're on a very hot run with with reality game shows, shiny floor stuff at the moment, and the network's doing really well. But, but um, the issue is they didn't really own any of the stuff that's doing well, like The Voice and Ninja Warrior and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, I think the point, well, one of the things you know, we talked about was like, why do you care? Because your job is to make sure the network does well. However, you know, at a corporate level, it's good to have some ownership and, and they're distributing like World of Dance. And actually, one interesting thing we saw in Cannes was if you were in the grand, there was effectively a cinema screen on the top of the grand showing World of Dance. When you walked into the Palais... Up the steps, it was branded World of Dance. You know, the Jennifer Lopez dance series that's about to launch. They're clearly, there was a lot of branding of that new show, which is coming out of the studio and will be on NBC's air. And NBC will be selling the format and the finish show internationally. And mentioning Ninja Warrior, um, one thing that you couldn't have failed to notice uh, walking up and down the Quasette was the gigantic Ninja Warrior France set. It would look, you know, massive next to the Palais, and the Palais is pretty big, right? But which wasn't there for any kind of PR stunt. It, not, it's just not there. as far as I could tell. There was there was no indication that was the way. I think that's actually where they film it. I mean, it's a you know, it's on a beautiful port. Uh, it's certainly very filmic around there. You know, there's ample reasons to film in Cannes, uh, as we know with Sky doing Riviera, which is a you know another upcomer. So it's nice to see you know TV being produced or or the kind of the means for TV being produced. When you go to one of these markets, it can often feel a little bit theoretical with people just talking and selling. Yeah, and that it looked like uh, a lot of scaffolders are going to be kept in business for quite a while looking at that set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a big framework. Uh, in terms of other eye-catching stuff along the Quasette, I think we really, really have to mention Bring Your Fame Back, which was a global agency show. And as you walked up the Quasette towards the Palais, there was you know, a 25-metre-high picture of Donald Trump kind of wistfully playing playing like a, a uke or a guitar. Yeah, like a little uh, Spanish guitar it, it was or really, something. It was really quite, quite a... And, Quite an enduring image. No one could quite make out what it had to do with bringing fame back because arguably Trump is the most famous man on the planet. And back to Jewel, she was in Cannes, which seemed fitting, given that she's the star of Riviera, which is a new show that, Jesse, you've been writing about. Yeah, yeah. so uh, as, as I mentioned earlier on, it's, uh, it's a new Sky show. It's shot on yeah, in the French Riviera, and it's basically about the seedy underworld uh, of, of the uh, Côte d'Azur. And... You can sort of tell when you walk around town and around that whole region that there is this ostentatious wealth. There are, you know, the, the number of elderly ladies walking around in velour. And there are certain types of people that you see in Cannes. And I think this show is basically trying to take some of those those guys, the guys who own the yachts, the, you know, the money makers, the, the very, very wealthy people that live there and delves into them in this story uh, in which Julia Stiles is trying to find out what happened to her husband uh, who's been murdered. Uh, he's a sort of Greek uh, art collector, multi-billionaire, dies on board a Russian uh, yacht. So you can see where this is going and she's, she's a kind of fish out of water. And uh, and basically delves into this crazy world. And I think Sky had uh, a screening, didn't they? Or and Julia was there. I think there was something at uh, well, the, World the as well. Yeah, worldwide premiere. Julia was was in town for the worldwide premiere. Uh, you know, she's a great actress, really making an impression, getting involved. There's uh, pictures of her at that various party. So she's clearly enjoying herself. Um, she, 
spent a lot of time there filming, so knows this knows the city and knows the surroundings, and so definitely uh, that that was a, that was a positive for uh, for the drama side. And there was some interesting news coming out of the market. There, there invariably is. So last time there was a big format dispute. And that was between, effectively, between Fremantle and Banerjee. And that got resolved as we went into the market. However... It also for- got resolved just as we recorded uh, our previous podcast. And I think we have mentioned that, but um, we, we were talking about how that hadn't been settled because we were talking about the fact that Banerjee had just bought uh, the Survivor Prodco castaway. But as we came out of the studio, you know, lo and behold, that situation resolved itself. Um, but, and, but fear not format dispute fans, because there's another one yeah, to, exa- to deal exa- with. Exactly. It's in, all those with insatiable appetites for this stuff take this. So there's been a long-running uh, dispute between Talpa and Star China, who used to co-produce the uh, the voice in China. The voice of China, I think, ran for five seasons, you know, massive ratings, ridiculously big ratings. That deal came to an end in January 2016, and Talpa signed a different deal uh, with Zhejiang Television, as, or Zhejiang Talent, I believe the, the production side is called. And basically, Star then conti- decided to produce another show called Sing China, or it was originally going to be called 2016, The Voice of China. Um, they were forced to change that name via a court, uh, but still went on to launch the show, with the twist being, uh, instead of the seats turning around, the judges' seats turning, they're in chariots and effectively have to sort of charge towards the talent that they want to pick a, up. A Ben-Hur. Uh, ben twist. Yeah, exactly. So, there's, you know, there's been a, a dispute there as to, as to the ownership. Um, and it was a, a quite a convoluted, difficult situation arose where uh, Star basically registered the format with Frapper, which is the international formats body, now, that doesn't necessarily mean you own the format, but they thought that it did mean that and released a statement to the uh, Chinese press, you know, to that effect. And Frapper immediately came out saying, well, we don't, you know, we don't have that power. We All we're doing here is registering the fact that you have created something. And it did, because it didn't kind of, you know, confer upon that format, that, that sort of status or the status uh, that they thought uh, of. And then Frapper... The format's body then came out and, and clarified things. Down yeah, I think while they were at the market. It, it certainly, you know, reading into it, it seemed like they wanted to distance themselves from that because there is clearly a situation that hasn't been resolved. Uh, potentially, it could go back to court. There's no indication of that happening at the moment, but it could easily happen. Um, and so, I think they were just trying to say, look, this is this is the power we have. We're here really to arbitrate and make sure that formats are distributed fairly but they don't have any legal powers. They are just a, a body of producers who've got to, gotten together to try and make things OK. And just on a side note on Talpa, news has just broken over the weekend that Talpa Holding, which is the side John DeMole didn't sell to ITV. Yeah, correct. So it's different yeah. from Talpa Media, which is the kind of production distribution arm. This is something separate. Yeah. And they, what they've done is buy the SBS channels in the Netherlands that they didn't already, didn't already own. Now, there's a clear international angle. Well, in- well, just to clarify that, they had 33% and they've now or the right, the, the kind of majority control, yeah. all of the control off of Sonoma from Finland. So they own those channels, and what is expected will happen next is that when they want to launch formats, they've got free to air channels, you know, with with which they can do that. They've obviously got a very strong relationship with ITV in the UK. So then, when the international arm goes to market. They've got formats that have been on air. They've got data. They've got numbers in some some fairly hefty markets as well. So it's kind of you know, joined up thinking, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And in similar deal news, um, 
the takeover of Sky that Fox is trying to push through, the £11.7 billion deal, has been given the green light uh, by the European regulators. Uh, There's been a a fair amount of criticism and concern over that deal in terms of media plurality uh, and and competition. And this is basically giving the deal, giving it the competition green light, saying that the likely benefits to Sky in terms of being able to lock other companies out of deals and not buy from other studios is probably not going to be the case because Sky is a big buyer of content and they claim to be the biggest in Europe. It still has hurdles to to clear before it's finally... For this deal can yeah, so ahead, there's a UK media plurality uh, investigation going on at the moment, and that will be the one that really decides whether it goes ahead or not. And and kind of linking up with MIP TV, which has just finished, and the idea of distribution and, and program sales, it's worth noting that Fox has got a new distribution, newish distribution division, and Sky also has Sky Vision as well. So it'll be interesting to see how those two, you know join together, work together or, or not as the case may yeah. be. Yeah, Fox has got so many different distribution arms now that it takes some unpicking to really get to the to the heart of who's and particularly with Fox Network's group content distribution and Sky Vision working in, you know, similar spaces, then there might be some crossover there. Also at MIP last week, I think in terms of news, one of the big deals was Atrium, which was DRG joining forces with Sir Howard Stringer to kind of create what is almost a kind of a, a high-end, premium, premium drama club, if you like. Um, I sat down with Sir Howard and Jeremy... How, how do you get membership? Uh, well, interestingly, you're, there's only one member per region or territory uh, so that to avoid conflicts you know, within, within the club, as you like, uh, if you like, rather. And how you get membership, you... Be really good at doing drama. You have to be really good, yeah, and you have to be able to behave yourself, which I think in this instance, <laughs> really, I think in this instance means that you have to probably pick up a certain number of the shows that get sort of put into the pot in the middle. If you don't green light anything, if you don't invest in anything then I think your membership rescinded, I think, is is the way to think about it. It was interesting talking to Sir Howard there and Jeremy Fox, who runs DRG. I mean, this really is for big drama, 10 episodes, 5 million um, an episode, and they've already got a few projects lined up as well, so they kind of came to the party with stuff with writers and scripts attached, and, you know... So Howard, just in conversation, has these amazing connections, kind of the, and not in a name-dropping way, just people he worked with over the years while running Sony, you know, while being incredibly senior at CBS, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of see what he brings to the party. And for DRG as a distribution company, obviously they're going to look to hold on to any rights or, you know, secondary rights that come, you know, come out of this. And Viaplay, which is the Modern Times Group's pay TV unit and SVOD unit, is already is kind of one of the members they're investing heavily in drama so you know on paper it all kind of makes sense but obviously we need to see who the other members are whether these projects actually get away get from kind of you know paper to production and reality but it was it was interesting to it was an interesting announcement and is potentially uh, exciting so big risk big reward that's what we're talking about. Yeah, these are certainly not mid. You know, these are not mid-budget dramas. I think they're they're you know shooting it for the very very high end stuff. Okay. Also on the distribution front, uh, just before MIP, it was announced that uh, New and Group, uh, which is now part of TF1 uh, in France, uh, are launching a London office. Um, oh, in fact, that has actually been 
relatively common knowledge for a while, but they've what they've done there is firm that up by Julien Larue uh, over there to run that division, which is going to be called New and Distribution UK. Uh, he'll be exec VP of Sales and Content Development, and this is again, it's a high-end programming play. Um, new and looking to get into you know big co-productions um, as so co-pros selling to UK broadcasters uh, absolutely and, 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 and also by, by extension you know as it's English language talking to US broadcasters and trying to get in on those deals as well so you can see it's that kind of they're looking for Netflix they're looking for Amazon they're looking for BBC Sky those kind of players and this matrix of high-end players just seems to be getting more and more complex and and, and also I think amid People, you know, justifiably having you know jitters about what Brexit means in terms of international companies and their presence in in London and the UK. It's it's kind of reassuring that a very big French content company, you know, owned by the biggest commercial French broadcaster, currently thinks you know the UK is so important that they need an office, they need people on the ground. You know, other in the same way, I guess that Keshet have a you know a London office and have built that out over time, or Red Arrow, or lots of the other you know international folks, and then Phil Gurin, for example, is setting up a London office. So, you know, good there, signs, good signs. There was talk about people moving away, studios moving away, and clearly it's very very early days, and that that may still happen. I don't think anyone knows how you know, how things will play out, but at the moment, people are coming to London rather than leaving it. Yeah, green shoots definitely. Also in the news. Sonar Entertainment from LA has bought the assets of Tricom Film and Television. Uh, so Tricom were a, uh, a sort of mid-sized Canadian distribution company who used to pick up some really interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, definitely had a profile at the market. Yeah, exactly. They had a, they used to do a party on the Sunday night, Saturday night, I can't remember, but it was always a nice one at their villa and they would do pretty good dinners. And they, they were, you know, a, a kind of a regular at the markets and they went out of business towards the end of last year under pressure from, from banks and a couple of loans that they, they, uh, they were having, they were struggling with. Um, and so that uh, library, which was sort of three thousand hours sub- from everything from kids to uh, you know relatively high end drama stuff, it was was up for sale, and that has now gone to Sonar, which has been looking to sort of expand what it's been doing for a while under David Ellender. So you know, uh, an- another interesting one, and, and sort of closes out that story. And also uh, in news that broke at MIP, ITV, the UK broadcaster through ITV Studios. Uh, bought into Blumhouse TV, Blumhouse Television, which is Jason Blum's new TV banner, if you like. But instead of buying the whole thing, they bought 45% of it. And they don't have a first look for distribution, but will probably end up distributing a lot of that stuff as well. And as they announced that deal, there are a few shows coming out. So this is the guy that made The Purge insidious paranormal activity and so he's he's missed a hollywood horror isn't he yeah for for the big screen so they're now making the purge the series they also announced something sounds very cool secure and hold the last days of roger isles about the fox news chief or rather the former fox news chief when there's a story (laughs) there's so much to (laughs) work with it's interesting he that they um so blumhouse referred to the the stuff they make as quote unquote dark genre programming which is kind of quite quite, quite a that's sinister way to. to uh, yeah. I guess I guess sinister, the programming but, but itself very broad is palette. So yeah. you could, what what falls under dark genre? Well, programming. So there you go. Get ready for some more more dark genre TV with uh, ITV picking up the uh, or with ITV heavily involved, effectively. Now um, we had uh, what five days at the market. Some people will have seven days at MIP TV in Cannes, and we all know it's a pretty 
taxing week. It's, it's actually I had a lot of fun last week, and I think and that's not always the case, but it was certainly a good one. But it looks like you guys are going to be staying out there for a bit longer. Certainly, certainly those of you who are involved in in drama, because uh, the main announcement really of the market was on it was in a, a very stuffy hall with the uh, with the can mayor uh, maxime sada from uh, canal plus and some other execs from read medium paul zilk um, and some others talking about this new international tv festival so that's going to be known as can series and this was fairly this announcement was kind of fairly eagerly awaited because there are several other festivals this stuff that's already running there are stuff stuff being set up in you know there is stuff happening in other parts of France or about to happen. So what do we actually learn about what will be happening in Cannes at the same time as MIP TV? So what we do know is it looks like it's going to start two days before the market, two days before MIP TV. It's a separate event running alongside it. So effectively, like how Berlinale uh, has the uh, European uh, film market, this is a kind of similar thing. So you've got the, the market on one side, which will be remain the same in the Palais, you know, people selling on their stands, uh, premieres, all that kind of stuff. Then there'll be these open to the public screenings uh, around town. So in the various cinemas, lots of nice cinemas in Cannes. Um, you know, I'm sure hotel rooms will be getting turned around into mini cinemas. So lots of screenings of new shows, and and there'll be a a jury being formed with an international president, and they're going to select the best show in Cannes. Um, very much like the format for the Cannes Film Festival. And they'll be selecting a number of shows that will go forward for, you know, deliberation. And then that will be announced. And you imagine that show, a pretty big accolade to be named the biggest show in Cannes or the best show in Cannes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for Read Media, which organises uh, MIP TV and MIPCOM, for them, it's about making the April event bigger, attracting kind of writers, you know, screenwriters, more producers, more creatives to make it bigger than just a distribution market, more than just buying and selling, which is you know, something they're trying to do already. But this clearly is the biggest statement yet in, in terms of trying to make MIP in particular kind of bigger, bigger and better. I mean, this year, it's interesting. And, and Jesse, I know you, you heard the same. You speak to exhibitors, you know, the distributors who are there with stands, and often you hear people say, oh, it's quiet. But we've had lots of great meetings. There was certainly no one there from the distribution side who said, you know, look at my diary. I've got two meetings today. Everyone's flat out back to back. Yeah. But so what- I think there's a sense that what what is happening is that you no longer have big teams coming across from a, you know, a given channel. Maybe there's, you know, it's streamlined in terms of a key buyer goes. Uh, the way one distributor said, it, you know, said to me, he's like, in in a meeting, you no longer have someone like sitting there taking notes and effectively, you know, being a bit of a spare part. Now it's just you and the decision maker. So, you know, that's... Which is, which is fair enough. And, it, you know, it's always been uh, an anomaly that the TV market has two festivals. You know, the film festival is one a year in Cannes. The property festival or property market, whatever you want to call MIPIM. it, MIPIM has one. Uh, and, and as far as I'm aware, uh, TV is the only is the only industry that has two. So, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a difficult thing to get people to come back particularly when money's being squeezed and this is a way for them to yeah re- refresh the market make it something you know exciting and new it's certainly made a lot of noise um there's going to be implications for other markets in france so series mania which runs just after mip tv it should be it may well be running as you uh, as you listen to this you might even be listening to it at series mania certainly some of the money that that market and his sort of co-pro market more so than a than a distribution market that some of that came from the government and that money is now transferred 
transferring over to this new event in uh, which is being set up and we think that's probably a 2018 debut as well and further money which <laughs> Series Mania used to have but came from Canal Plus which as I've mentioned is now going down to the Cannes event so there's, there are going to be knock-on effects here um, it's going to be a change in France so if you're you know working in the French industry you're certainly going to have a, some changes to your schedule um, but yeah, all in all, it looks re- it looks exciting. There are sort of bigger plans in terms of how uh, the the festival will uh, create a script writing school. Uh, they're going to pair up French writers with international people who are in town. So you know, th- there's a there's a big strategic push behind this, and you know, it it doesn't look like it's something that's just been plucked out of the air. Certainly. David Liznard, who is the mayor of uh, Cannes, said that when he was uh, last elected in 2013, this was sort of on his mandate. So he says he's mandated to do this. He's something he must deliver. Um, You know, I don't know enough about that. That's certainly what he said on stage. So interesting. So please check out our website, tbivision.com. And on that, you can also get the digital issues of our MIP TV magazines, TBI Factual, TBI Format, TBI Scripted, and not forgetting TBI Kids and TBI, of course. Um, we uh, There's lots of blood, sweat and tears involved. So uh, so please check them out. We're, we're, we're proud of the of this batch, if you like. Uh, and we'll be back soon. And next time, I guess, Jesse, we're going to be thinking, starting to think about the LA screenings, what's coming up there. We're going to be thinking about what's happening with Nappy Europe, which is another big diary date. Sunnyside in France and, and another stack of things. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And uh, producer Brad, is it your last uh, your last time with us or have we got one more? No, it's the last time with producer Brad. Uh, he is moving back to South Africa and uh, we're, we're hoping that producer Ross is coming in for us. Um, so, yeah, it's been great to work with you, producer Brad. And uh, Thank you, producer Brad. Good. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, producer Brad. <laughs> uh, until next time, thank you very much. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Bye. 